Welcome podcast listeners back to the Lone Road iRacers podcast with me your host Guy Robertson and I can't believe it's episode 21 of season 2 already but time flies uh, when we're spending a lot of time in the sim. Um, Special events are the hot topics and we've got two coming up in February the Daytona 500 and the Bathurst 12 hours. Um, my last podcast was all about Daytona and the one before, so I thought we'd look ahead to the Bathurst 12 hours. So the Bathurst 12 hours is scheduled for the 23rd, 24th and 25th of February 2024. Um, it's one of the most popular and premier endurance races held annually here on iRacing in the Simulator. Um, it replicates the, the real-life event held at the legendary Mount Panorama Circuit in Bathurst, Australia. It's known for its challenging layout, its elevation changes, the track is very, very narrow in sections and it's got the most iconic mountain section. Uh, I think as iRacers, we'll all agree. It's a challenge for any driver to race around there going through the dipper. Forest Elbow without coming out with 1x, 2x or lots of x's. So... um we're going to talk more about the Panorama Circuit. Uh, Mount Panorama Circuit, often referred to as Bathurst, is one of the world's most challenging racetracks. The venue itself is 6.213 kilometres long and features significant elevation changes, with a difference of 174 metres between its highest and lowest points. The most f- Notable and infamous part of Mount Panorama Circuit is what we call the Dipper and the S's. These sections are notorious for iRacers coming to um, a an abrupt halt, a skid, a spin into the barrier and a toe probably back to the pits. Um, the Dipper itself is a steep, twisting downhill section that demands precision and control while the S's involves a sequence of fast left-right turns leading into the dipper itself. Now, lots of people take the dipper and the S's in different ways. The idea is to obviously keep as much speed and momentum going without coming a cropper to either your car or your fellow competitors. Another tricky section is McFillory Park and Skyline. Um... It's brilliant to actually race along that section. The track seems to just stop and all you can see is sky in the distance, hence the term skyline. This section is at the highest point on the track and features a blind crest where cars go light as they come over the hill, adding to the challenge for the drivers. The Mount Panorama Circuit is known for hosting many motorsport events in real life, including the Bathurst 1000 for V8 supercars and the Bathurst 12 hours for GT cars. Its challenging layout and unique features demand a high level of skill, 
concentration and precision from drivers, and that's drivers in the real world. What licenses do you need to race? So it's very important that you prepare and get your team to understand what licenses they will need so you don't get a DQ. You'll need a minimum of a C-level road racing license to participate in the Bathurst 12 hours. Uh, and register for this event as a team that includes at least two drivers. Racing will assign, oh, sorry, iRacing will assign your team a split according to the total road rate I rating of the team. Each split will include 50 cars or 50 teams. The event features an eight-minute qualifying session to determine the starting grid for each split. The qualifying session allows drivers to record two fast laps. Only one driver from each team can be used and do the qualifying laps. But the driver who starts the race can be different from the qualifying driver. The race begins with a rolling start procedure at 5am sim time. As in the real life Bathurst 12 hours, the start and approximately the first 30 minutes of the race is before sunrise. Now, I personally was part of a team and I was the driver starting the race for my team last year. Um, rolling start. Well, that was chaos and catastrophe. Uh, there were some cars in front already starting to weave. There's no need to weave. It's a very short downhill section to the start. But they collided and probably five of us got wrapped up in it, including myself. And even before we got onto the, the starting straight, we had a 17-minute repair, folks. So... Think about your rolling start, the behaviours. Make sure you're not too close to um, somebody in front who might make a mistake. So what cars do, do we race around, but the, around Bathurst? The Bathurst 12 Hours is a GT3 class only event. Now, there's not many of these on, on the iRacing special events, but this is probably the first one. The lineup includes all the GT3 cars available in iRacing for their performance, adjusted by the custom balance of, uh, or uh, sorry, and it will be adjusted by the custom balance of performance or BOP rules. Um, make sure to keep a note of each car's engine layout. Car characteristics are typically more pronounced at Mount Panorama due to the track's high level of risk and engine placement significantly affects this. So looking at the cars, we have the Ferrari 296 GT3, we have the McLaren MP4 12C GT3, the Mercedes AMG GT3 2020, the BMW M4 GT3, the Audi RA LMS GT3 Evo 2, the Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo, the Ford GT GT3, and finally, the Porsche 911 GT3R992. Um, it's an open setup event as well. So wherever you get your setup, such as, as an example, Coach Dave Academy, um, visit them and get your setups early and utilize them as part of your practice with your teams. Uh, good tip, don't go surprise everybody with late changes to your setup uh, on the morning of the race. That's just not going to be a good part of your 
pre-practice and strategy leading up to the race. So that leads us lovely into race strategy. Tire strategy is, is one major um, item that you've got to consider. Track conditions in this event change significantly during the train 12 hours, affecting tire wear. The race, as we said earlier, slightly starts in the dark, so very early morning, with the track temperatures between 20 and 30 degrees. The track is the fastest during this period, and the tire wear is the slowest in the first stint. After sunrise, the track temperature quickly increases to 50 degrees and peaks at roughly 3 o'clock. You should preserve your tyres more when the track is hotter because tyre wear is higher during the day, although you should not double stint the tyres in this race. Some tyre saving improves consistency and race pace during one stint, especially if you have chosen to be more aggressive on your, on your suspension geometry setup. What about fuel? Fuel strategy depends on the car you drive and your race pace. As a general rule, manage your fuel consumption to achieve at least one hour per stint because you will not need to splash and dash at the end of the race, assuming you've had no incidents or repairs. A simple way to calculate fuel target fuel consumption is to look at your average race pace. If your average lap time is 2.06, for example, you must drive 29 laps every one hour stint. And for an example, the Ferrari 296 GT3 with a 1.04 litre fuel tank, the target fuel consumption for this race is 104 divided by 29, which gives you 3.5 litres per lap. In summary, the Bathurst 12 hours race is a challenging event that tests sim racing driver skill to the limit, especially concentration. Surviving the first few laps where the cars are all very close together is very difficult on any track, never mind Bathurst with all its very narrow um, winding sections up through the mountain and as we've heard through Skyline, through the Dipper, Forest Elbow etc. Surviving the steep elevation changes and narrow sections on Mount Panorama during the endurance race takes a lot of setup work and practice so i can't stress enough the time is now to start organizing your team your liveries your setup what abs settings each driver has practicing your driver changes your fuel changes etc etc so that is our first topic tonight that's a good look at what's coming soon just to re reiterate those dates again, we are racing the Bathurst 12s in 2024 from the 23rd, 24th and 25th of February. Sign up and enjoy that race, folks. Dre is the Audible iRacers companion. Want to improve your results or get more wins? Download Dre, the digital race engineer. Hit the link in the show notes for a 10% discount. Yeah. 
This week on iRacing, I've seen the return of the the impressive Radical SR8 on the Nürburgring Industrial Farton. And, <clears throat> excuse me, what a car that used to be on the iRacing service. So it was brilliant to actually drive this car around Nurbs this week, if only for three laps, and survival was everybody's challenge. <clears throat> excuse me, as new drivers who have never driven this superb car um, get to grips with it on one of the most challenging tracks in the world. So I thought I'd utilise um, and do a small article comparing iRacing's Radical SR8 with iRacing's Radical SR10. The report aims to provide a comprehensive comparison between the two high-performing racing cars available in the iRacing simulation platform, the Radical SR8 and the Radical SR10. Both vehicles belong to the Radical Sports Cars lineup and are renowned for, for their impressive performance on the track. This analysis will cover various aspects including specifications, handling characteristics and overall driving experience to aid users in understanding the differences between these two cars. Specifications <coughs> Radical SR8 The engine is a Suzuki 1340cc 4-cylinder engine. Power, uh, it's got 430 horsepower approximately. The weight of the car is about 725 kilograms. Top speed is over 280 kilometers an hour. The LX acceleration is 0 to 100 kilometers an hour in approximately 3 seconds. Compare that to the Radical SR10. Engine is a Powertech 2500cc 4-cylinder engine. The power approximately 425 horsepower, so the SR10 compared to the Radical SR8, is 5 horsepower less. Weight 725 kilograms, so that's the exact same weight as the Radical SR8. Top speed, it just says over 280 kilometers an hour. And acceleration 0 to 100 in approximately 2.8 seconds. So that's 0.2 of a second quicker than the SR8. Moving into handling and performance, the Radical SR8 is known for its nimble handling and responsive steering. Offers a balanced setup suitable for a wide range of tracks. Features high downforce with aids in cornering stability. And it's slightly more forgiving in terms of oversteer compared to the SR10. The SR10 has improved aerodynamics compared to the SR8, resulting in enhanced grip levels. However, it requires precise inputs due to its sharper handling characteristics. It offers exceptional cornering speeds, particularly in high-speed corners. However, it tends to be more sensitive to setup changes compared to the SR8. Moving into the actual driving experience. The Radical SR8 provides a thrilling driving experience with its raw power and agile handling. It's well suited for drivers seeking a balance between speed and drivability. It requires a precise driving style to maximise performance without losing control. And it offers a rewarding experience when mastering its characteristics. 
whereas the SR10 delivers an exhilarating driving experience with its superior aerodynamics and precision. It appeals more to experienced drivers looking for a challenge and willing to push to the limits. It demands a higher skill level to extract its full potential, especially in demanding corners, and it offers a sense of satisfaction when mastering its high-performance capabilities. In conclusion, both the Radical SRA and the Radical SR10 offer thrilling driving experiences with their impressive performance capabilities, while the SR8 provides a balanced combination of power and agility the SR10 excels in delivering unmatched precision and aerodynamic grip. The choice between these two cars is ultimately dependent on the driver's preferences and skill level, with the SR8 offering a more forgiving platform for drivers of varying experience levels, while the SR10 caters to those seeking the ultimate challenge and performance. Well, that kind of brings that article to a conclusion. Now, for people who have raced the SR8 before in iRacing, for me, the car at the time had a soft underbelly. Now, what do I mean by that? It it basically meant that if you scraped a bit of paint through, shall we say, coming to to some very light contact with a barrier, you were in the pits for eight minutes. But... To be honest, that did make you drive the car in a specific manner, which was look after the car, don't crash into your competitors, don't go dive-bombing down corners, hoping you can use the fellow competitor as a break to get around and take the position. You'll both be in the pits for a minimum of eight minutes. Um, What have we seen from a numbers point of view this week on the Nürburgring? Well... The Tuesday 7 o'clock race was my first race this week and they were over 220 competitors signed up um, for the Radical SR8 ran NURBS on the Industrial Farton layout. Now that says something itself, iRacing, if you're listening ever to my podcast. Um, the SR8 is a still a very popular car. Now, I think two seasons ago, the SR10, you couldn't drive it. That season, it was disastrous, diabolical. It saw lots of people go and race other cars. And it took two seasons now for the SR10 to start gaining um, popularity with iRacers once again because of the mistakes that iRacing made. And iRacing have openly admitted that. So what's stopping us having both the SR10 and the SR8 on the service? Clearly, the SR8 is very, very popular. For me, it drives better if with my driving style than the SR10. Um, and like I said, it did make you drive in a specific way for that car. And I'm sure a lot of us complain about 4Xs poor driving well you had no choice in the sr8 you were governed by the damage and the time spent in the pits if you wanted to proceed in that class so that's my summary this week of the radical sr8 compared to the sr10 i racing i think you're missing the boat here with the sr8 let's bring it out of retirement much much more 
not only on uh, Nürburgring, but let's see maybe an endurance event with it around Panorama, as we've heard tonight, or uh, 12 hours at Spa or something else to really showcase the SR8. Maybe you can have an SR8 versus SR10 um, endurance race. What about that, listeners? Does that sound like a goer? So that brings it to a conclusion, folks. I miss the SR8 personally, and I know many of my fellow iRacers do as well. Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast, listeners. Hope you enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Um, don't forget to email the show. I am always looking for people to interview. I'm trying to put together an interview team to talk about iRacing tracks, your favourites, which are your worst tracks and why, and which tracks you would like to see on the iRacing service that currently aren't on there today. If you're interested... Look in the uh, show notes below. You'll find the show's email. Or you can find us on Facebook and drop me a DM. Until then, folks, happy racing. <laughs>